Welcome in. You are listening to the Fundamental Analysis Show on Chit Chat Money. My name is Brett Schaefer, and I'm here with Ryan Henderson. And today we're going to be talking about a well-known name, uh, a fast food company, Wendy's, a uh, publicly traded company. So, Ryan, do you want to get into what they do and then the history of uh, the company? Uh, this is something, you know, we got a recommendation to do this, I think, or maybe it was not this in general, but people are complaining, you know, oh, you're doing too many uh, high-growth tech names. Uh, and we're like, we well, do. They're maybe. right. But this will uh, mix it up a little bit, I think. Yeah, and we, maybe we'll realize why it's less, uh, less fun to do these because it seems like there's a little less avenues for growth, but sometimes you can find good value in these. So it, it should be fun to look at this one. Wendy's is an international fast food restaurant chain. Most people know that. Um, they do franchise out most of their stores and they collect money through rent and franchising fees from those store owners. But they also have a fair amount of companies, uh, company-owned stores as well. So uh, they have a few that they operate that are not uh, franchised out. They are well-known, though, for their square hamburgers and their Frosties. That's what most people know them for. Um, and the Wendy's company determines the standards for each store's exterior appearance, food quality, and menu. But the store owners have control over the hours of operation, interior decor, pricing, staff uniforms, and wages. So there's sort of a balance there between uh, what the what corporate gets to determine and then what the actual store owners or the restaurant operators get to determine themselves. Um, some history for Wendy's. Wendy's style of burgers and Frosties were inspired by Dave Thomas's trips to QP Hamburgers in Kalamazoo, Michigan. So uh, this QP Hamburgers was known for their square hamburgers and thick malt shakes. So I guess Dave Thomas just decided I'm just going to copy that and franchise it out. Um, so he founded Wendy's in 1969 in Columbus, Ohio, and Dave Thomas named the first store after his fourth child, Melinda Lou Wendy Thomas, which is the most American name I've ever heard. Um, yeah, definitely. And the first franchise was started in 1972. I think that was in Indianapolis. Um, and the rest is history after that. They've obviously expanded store count. Um, they are now the third largest burger fast food chain behind only Burger King and McDonald's. It looks like they IPO'd in 1992, but it was a little difficult to tell because there was sort of a spinoff at one point and even a merger. So there was like different equity raises, I'm, I'm pretty sure. But it looks like the first IPO was in 1992. Yeah, with the restaurants... I mean, the chains and stuff, when they're publicly traded, they always go in and out, private to public, and then they're always like scooping up competitors and things like that. There's a lot of moving parts in that, but I'll get into the financials here. Uh, they have a market cap of $3.85 billion, ticker of WEN, and a price of $16.74 as of April 15th, 2020. Tax day, actually, we're recording this. Uh, it comes mm. out the day after. Well, well, no, typical tax day. Typical tax day, yeah, RIP. Uh, their PE is 27.9, so about 28. And you, for reference, their EV is about double of what their market cap is right now because of their long-term debt is at about $2 billion. Uh, their price to sales is 2.25. And again, their EV to sales is 4.2. EV to free cash flow is 33.65. So pretty, you know, they're not, even with the drop-off here, they're not... Um, valued very cheaply. Um, I guess that's what a lot of the premium restaurants like McDonald's isn't valued that cheaply. Usually uh, Starbucks, you know, it's a little different, but they have a dividend yield of 1.89%. Shares outstanding have actually gone down a lot. Uh, since 2010, they've gotten cut almost in half. So good capital allocation there. 
Stock went down over 50% in the past month from $24 to $750. That's like 60, about 60 or 70%, I think. And that was from the end of February to middle of March, so less than a month. Now it's back up to 1675 so it's recovered a bit. Uh, their ROIC, which is the return on invested capital, has been quite low, never been above 7%, but it hasn't really been negative. They've been steadily having you know small... Uh, ROIC numbers and they have small working capital and a lot of long-term debt. So not the best balance sheet, but nothing where it, it doesn't look like an airline or anything. Right. Um, I'll get right into the earnings then. I didn't put much from the balance sheet on here. So uh, maybe you can refresh them after I talk about the earnings on the debt side. Um, total revenues for 2019 grew to 1.7 billion, up seven and a half percent year over year. Company operated restaurant margin was 15.5 percent in 2019. So and that was basically flat uh, over uh, from 2018. Net income was down 70.2% versus the year prior. That was due to their sale of Inspire brands. I believe EBITDA was basically flat. Um, and EBITDA was actually a relevant metric. So net income for 2018 was $460 million. I remember EBITDA, I don't have it down here exactly, but I remember EBITDA was actually... Um, and adjust it, an adjustment down. So it was like 420 million or something like that. Um, and that was basically flat year over year. So profitability, uh, as far as operating wise, hasn't been hindered that much. Um, in 2018, they had a net margin of 27%. Their fourth quarter net income this year was up 41% year over year. That was due to a cash settlement of a previously held investment. And then the free cash flow was down 4.5% year over year. They have free cash flow margins right around 13%. Welcome back. Next, we have the second half of the show. And first up is, as always, Digging Trenches, which is just the moat rating. Uh, what do you think, Ryan? Um, so it's hard to... Uh, there are capital-intensive barriers to entry in terms of scaling a large franchi- franchisee business like Wendy's has done. Um, so it's hard to kind of just start one up like that. However, it's a super crowded space. Um, they are the third largest burger uh, fast food chain, but they also have to, I mean, they're not just competing with burgers. They're competing with, you know, all food stores. So even five, Chick-fil-A, yeah. um, you know, even some of those more expensive ones uh, are going to come into play as well. As far as competitors, they also have to, you know, yeah, there's burgers, but there's burritos. So, you know, Chipotle, uh, Taco Bell, Taco Time, stuff like that. Anyway, it's food. So it's super crowded, but like I said, they've established themselves well. Um, and it's taken a long time to do so. So I'm going to go with a one, 1. 1.5. Mm, I give it more of a two because I think it is hard. It, it is a, pretty hard to get into the uh, restaurant chain business to start up. You know, it takes a lot of capital to expand. Uh, it's definitely not a reason. You know, it might be a reason you would invest in Wendy's or a fast food business, but it's it's not as strong as some other types of business. I mean, McDonald's is probably the number one uh, for a moat, but it's still not crazy. Uh, yeah, I guess it is a little, it's really strong with McDonald's, but for Wendy's, it's like, eh, it's, it's pretty good. They do have a relatively strong brand as well. I mean, you recognize the logo when you see it. So um, yeah, I guess two is probably fair for them. What are you looking at for further reading? So further reading, this is what I'd want to research. Uh, I would look at more market research on the breakfast opportunities. I know a lot of uh, fast food places are trying to dive into breakfast. Uh, who does that? Who's the main one of that? McDonald's is the main one, I guess. 
Um, does well as uh, does it as well, and they do well with it. Um, but McDonald's is kind of you know whenever someone starts a new uh, breakfast menu, people are always saying, "Oh, they're encroaching on McDonald's territory." Yeah, yeah. So I guess McDonald's would be that. But yeah, Wendy's getting to that. Um, if they could come up with something innovative, I don't know. You, they actually just came out with it, so it looks like you're going to talk about that in the future growth opportunities. So that. I mean, if there's a giant market there, maybe that could help them sustain solid same-store sales growth uh, for the next few years here. And yeah, that'd be, a, you know, I'd really want to know what that is. Their product offerings are relatively limited for breakfast anyway, so there are definitely opportunities out there besides what they offer now. Um, but I'm looking at for I'm looking at net store count post-coronavirus here. So Wendy's announced that they're extending the date for restaurant operators to pay their fees and rent due to major declines in sales. Um, so store count should be a clear indicator of franchisees inability to pay over that time. Cause I mean, if you can't pay rent to Wendy's, then, you know, you're, you're not going to be able to operate your business. It's going to go under and you're going to see that in the store count. And, uh, obviously net is the one to pay attention to there. Yeah. Because they need their franchisees to stay around because they would have to spend a lot more CapEx if uh, some of those went under and then to get new managers, someone to invest in a store, things like that. Yeah. Definitely want to be watching that number. And with that extension involved, we might not see the fruits of this um, come out until uh, two quarters or three quarters from now in terms of like net store count, just because you know, people maybe try to take on a loan to pay that off. And then there's also, you know, maybe the extension goes on for another three months. Um, and Wendy's obviously wants the best for their franchisees because it in turn gives them enough money. So uh, it, it might be a while until we see that materialize. Yeah, definitely. All right. Future growth opportunities are next and it looks like you have breakfast. Uh, so do you want to get into that? Yeah. So Wendy's nationwide breakfast was launched on March 2nd. They currently offer five breakfast items. They have the breakfast baconator, the honey butter chicken biscuit, the maple bacon chicken croissant, the vanilla frosty chino and seasoned potatoes. Uh, frosty chino. Uh, whoever you know spent a million. It sounded that that sounded better than the seasoned potatoes for breakfast, but the frosty chino, it was like basically like, it looked like coffee, iced coffee, and then you add like a vanilla frosty or a chocolate frosty creamer, I think is what they said. Uh-huh. So it didn't look that bad. It's not like they're co- like mixing it with a frosty, uh, like a real one. Um, uh-huh. but, but poor timing on the launch, uh, just a little unlucky there. Yeah, really unlucky timing there. On their conference call, though, they also stated that they invested $17 million to support the launch of the breakfast. So put a lot of money into it. They're going to have to uh, hope that benefits they or hope that benefits them in the long term. I, this year was sort of a big CapEx year. I remember them saying they spent 5 million on something else. I think it was digital. Um, uh, I'm blanking on the word, but probably just the app or something. I don't know. So no, something around really like digital app. offerings, pick up stuff like that delivery card receivers. Sorry. Oh, card receivers. Okay. Yeah. They enhanced a lot of those for some of their stores. And so they included that in CapEx. I think that was 5 million altogether. Um, with that and then 22 million combined with the breakfast. So lots of CapEx there. Um, But some of those offerings, I mean, I'm not a big fast food person, but I could see how Wendy's customers would enjoy that for breakfast as well. Um, So yeah, I'm not a big Wendy's guy, but some of those sounded interesting. Maybe I'll try the vanilla frosty Chino. Yeah. The, it seems different than McDonald's at least. So, you know, they're trying to just differentiate themselves, but I'll, I'll get into mine here. Uh, the other two pillars that they talk about for their growth strategies are digital and international. 
Digital is easy. Um, if you're a fan of Chipotle stock, you probably know how they do that. The digital sales, you know, through the app, through all the delivery places, trying to uh, get customers to order that way, uh, make it super easy. I mean, it's just, it's another way. I mean, yeah, it's a little lower margin, but they don't give out very many numbers on the digital. Uh, so I'd like to see what kind of growth they're getting in there. It'd be nice if it was like 25, 30% growth. And then their other one is international. They opened 77 total stores in 2019 and only 21 were international. So they say that international is their growth lever, but I would like to know how much potential they think they have because I know America, uh, the United States is the number one fast food nation. Uh, are, you know, can they expand to China, Southeast Asia, Europe? Is there enough demand out there for them? Also, like, Okay, Wendy's seems like an American fast food restaurant, you know, um, just with the the logo and the girl with the red hair and all that stuff. But I wonder if like in India, the Middle East, Australia, countries or continents that are outside of North America, do they like, oh, you guys want to have American tonight? Like, is that a thing? Uh, Yeah, that's probably it because, I mean, McDonald's, I guess, has gone global. So maybe there is a lot of demand for a, a burger place and Burger King's pretty global as well. Oh. Um, but I think they do change up the menu slightly. Uh, but yeah, I was in... Well, their burgers are square, so... That's... Yeah, that is different. I was in Spain this winter and they're huge Five Guys fans. So I think they do like the American huh. uh, food and they think of it like it's it the burger is the like the american thing you know how like there's more than just tacos and burritos uh right. for you know mexican and south american food but yeah they think when like people in dog. other countries they think burgers and fries yeah makes sense uh highlights and lowlights what do you like there okay highlights for me it's a very stable business uh i mean you can't doubt the american eater they're just gonna keep going uh there's room for same store sales growth because they're, you know, they can encroach a little more on McDonald's and Burger King. Um, they have a strong capital allocation history. So the stock is basically on, except for the last, you know, month here, up and to the right. And they also had a nice share buyback program. So it showed that the share buybacks have helped, you know, with their earnings per share. And they would ha- it would have been a phenomenal buy the dip the last, uh, like, if you look at the chart, I'd recommend looking it up. It was down so quickly and a recover just like that, like, it was amazing to see that, but low lights for me. Fast food seems like it's pretty uh, saturated, uh, no pun intended. Uh, like, there's not that much room for growth. You know, it's they're everywhere. Like, there's not in every small town in America, or not like tiny towns, but it seems like there's not that much room for growth for fast food in general. They're going to have to encroach on McDonald's and Burger King and others, and they also have a lot of debt compared to their free cash flow. They're going to have to grow the free cash flow a lot uh, to get that number where they're not just paying it down with all their uh, cash they're generating. Right. Um, my highlight here is the business model just isn't all that complicated. Um, all they have to do is, you know, drive in store sale, in, drive same store sales growth and have stable net restaurant expansion. And if they're able to do that, they're going to be just fine. Also, I'm thinking about this now. Our, our fast food restaurant sort of recession resilient like if we went into a recession or something yeah. like okay so maybe that's maybe that'll be a highlight here because chipotle was doing well maybe those more expensive ones will start to suffer a little bit if we yeah because what you can get i don't know i haven't I don't, you know not to to brag i don't really go to the fast food places but 
they're like you can get some for like three, four, five bucks, but like Chipotle or something, you might be closer to ten, right? Right. Um, but my lowlights is that it is a super competitive market, and I guess there may, I mean, the trend of health. I know that was kind of more of a maybe a twenty nineteen kick with the whole like you know no meat thing, uh, but maybe that's still going on. Uh, they they aren't they aren't doing well with that. I would say they're not the picture of health, but. Uh, my other problem here is the the competition. So they not only do they compete with other burger places, but with the ubiquity of food delivery nowadays, they're competing with everyone. Um, and that makes it hard for me to invest in a lot of food companies because anything can get delivered now. So it's, you know, it, and I, I know a lot of people will go through like fast food restaurants on their way home from work or something like that. But if you're home and you're thinking, oh, I want fast food, you can literally go anywhere or you can have it delivered to you. So I, I think the competition grows larger with the ubiquity of that. Um, and, and the margins are going to decrease because you have to pay, uh, you know, delivery right. costs more and it's a lot easier to compete with someone when you can, you know, on the internet, everyone can just pay for space. But if you have those uh, stores, that's kind of an advantage you have where no one can just pop up a store really quick. Exactly. What's your, what's your rating for the stock? It's not going to be that high. Uh, the balance sheet is definitely not strong enough where I can think, say, someone like, you know, Starbucks, they have some debt as well. But the reason I used to own them is because I thought they could have great dividend and great share buybacks with a large market opportunity. I do think Wendy's can expand um, if they have the right management team in place, the right uh, marketing. You know, they do like the chicken nugget stuff that seems to be popular and like the chicken sandwich seems pretty popular as well. But the debt levels are high. The free cash flow hasn't really been there. The growth hasn't been that great compared to a lot of other brands. And the valuation is high. Their EV to uh, sales is 4.2. And if you take into account an operating margin for a restaurant of about 15%, that would give them an EV to uh, earnings or cash flow. If you think that whatever the operating margin and cash flow is similar of about uh, like 30, which is quite high still. Um, and I just can't get around that. Yeah. Oh, so sorry. Sorry. I give it like a five, three. Okay. Yeah. I think maybe I have a problem judging a lot of these slower growth, uh, compounders. I mean, what you're going to get here is 7% revenue growth. You're going to combine that with same source sales and restaurant expansion. And that just, that just sort of bores me, but maybe that's what provides the best returns over time. So if you're, we don't have any sort of expertise in the like food industry um, and you're not getting a whole lot of exciting growth there. There's not any massive changes to business models and in terms of restaurants. Um, It's not horrible. Like it's not an insane valuation. I think it would have been a good value play under $10. um, And if it gets back down to those levels, maybe it will be, you just have to pay attention to liquidity and the debt levels there. Um, But this does not crack my top 10. And especially when stocks are not at all time highs, you really, you really got to get picky with the ones you like. Um, And kind of, for me, I take, I try to take concentrated positions, especially when there's a lot of stocks selling off. And so this just does not crack my top list. I'm going to go 4.8 maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean with restaurants, uh, I, I just think with something like this, it's not going to grow that quickly. I cannot pay up for something like this. I would wait. This has to become a value play. I'm not paying for an earnings multiple over 20. Um, and that's just me uh, for a stock like this. Right. 
Uh, All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Again, thank you guys for listening. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at ChitChatMoney. And if you have any suggestions, uh, I don't think we tweeted it out, but we did change the podcast email uh, that we just started. Uh, Do you want to say what that is for anyone that has questions or suggestions? ChitChatMoneyPodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. And we'll tweet it out. uh, And then, yeah. So if you have any suggestions, that's another way for uh, you guys to reach us because I know someone was asking about that. Remember, we are not financial advisors. Anything we say on this show is not formal advice or recommendation. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time. Slaughter.